Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Welcome back to another episode of the How I Quit Alcohol podcast. For first-time listeners, please be aware that not all of the conversations within this podcast are suitable for children. I'd also like to add a trigger warning that sometimes the conversations can get a little heavy. We may talk about things like sexual abuse, domestic violence, drug use and alcohol use. And if you feel that that may trigger you, please do not tune in. Also, I'd like to add, if you are a heavy daily drinker, please seek the help of a medical practitioner before quitting alcohol. This podcast comes to you from beautiful Bunjalung country. Please kick back and enjoy. Grab yourself your favorite alcohol-free bevy. And if you haven't already, do a gal a favor. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Monday Distillery. Monday Distillery are purveyors of beautiful non-alcoholic beverages. Live on your own terms, be true to you, and drink what's good for your body and soul. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today in the Zoom room, I'm joined by a beautiful coaching client of mine. We've been working together for about, gee, a year or so, maybe a little less. And she has just come so far and it's just been an amazing journey to watch her evolving. Her name's Lisa. She's from Sydney. And Lisa's an executive assistant and just like all of us, a big old story to share. Thank you so much, Lisa, for coming on and for trusting your story out here in in the big bad podcast world. How are you? Thank you for having me, Danny. I'm truly honoured to be your guest. And to be honest, I don't know how I stumbled upon your podcast, but your podcast has been a godsend to me and I don't think I would have got this far without all of the inspiration from all of the people who have shared their stories and their soul on your podcast. So thank you. Oh, thank you. And and you'll be doing the same for someone else. And I love that idea of paying it forward. You hear people and you get inspired and then 
hopefully then you share your story and you'll also inspire someone else, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So tell the listeners, uh, Lisa, a little bit about your relationship with alcohol and, and how it started. Well, I think I was probably younger than most. My mum tells me I was two years old when I first got drunk. What? Um, I know it's absolutely outrageous, but um, I guess. Okay, you got to was... tell us about that. <laughs> so apparently um, my mum and her friends were at a Chinese restaurant and I could speak fluently when I was two, still a chatterbox now to this day. And I went around the table and I worked my way around the room and asking everybody for a sip of their drink. And um, my mum said, I said to her I need to go to the toilet and she said I was wonky on my legs so um yes I guess that was the beginning of my alcohol career yeah oh my god hang on was your mum freaking out (laughs) I know I need to ask her some more questions about this but um yeah I (laughs) yeah it's it's a bit fucked up really so that's a record for here I think the youngest so far we've had but started drinking at eight or had their first drink at eight so yeah then um, my mum's boyfriend used to give me wine when my mum was at parent-teacher meetings when I was probably between eight and 12 I guess Uh, and then my best friend was three years older than me and we used to drink together when I was probably about 12 but she lived interstate so it wasn't a regular thing but um, and then I don't know I suppose from 14 onwards I was sort of drinking on the weekends getting drunk vomiting doing stupid things you know I remember the room spinning and just you know feeling out of control I know that my mum used to get very cross with that type of behaviour. Um, she was kind of of the mindset that um, she would buy us alcohol because she wanted me to be in a controlled environment where I was uh, under her watchful eye. So she used to actually, you know, buy drinks for us, which now looking back on it, not sure how good that is. Mm. even though I know she had the best intentions and you know it was the same with sex she was like you know I know she my daughter's going to have sex I don't want her out in cars and in dangerous situations where she's putting herself at risk I'd rather her be under my roof and safe so I, I kind of get it with the sex thing if they're at a decent age but I, I, I'm so yeah I'm I actually not in two minds anymore I'm in a like a no-go zone for giving anyone alcohol under the age of their brain they're actually they say that you shouldn't have any alcohol until 24 yeah I know because the brain's still developing so really and then what we know you know I posted the other week about you know how alcohol's a class one carcinogen and right up there with asbestos and cigarettes it's like would you send your kid out carrying a piece of broken asbestos Or would you say, here, I have some cigarettes? I mean, some people might do that. I don't know. But it's, yeah, it's not okay. I'm not okay with it. I remember, I think I might have been around 15 or 16. And I remember I was at um, an event with my dad and my stepmom and they let me have a few, you know, alcohol pops. But what they didn't know is I was going into the pantry of at this Apex convention and I was filling up the bottles with cask wine and, um, got so drunk that I was spewing in my sleep and my poor stepmom had to you know if she hadn't have been there I probably would have choked on my vomit and died and she um had to shower me and take care of me and it was very embarrassing 
Oh my God, that's so full on. So from an early age, this has been a bit of a compulsion. Can I ask you a bit about when your mum's boyfriend was giving you wine, when your mum was out? I mean, what the hell? And were you getting drunk at that point or was it like, how much was he giving you? That's a really good question. I don't know. I think, you know, I was a small child. So any amount that you give a small child is going to affect them, right? And my mum had no idea. When I told her about it years later, she had she had no, I mean, she would not have been supportive of that. So she didn't smell it on you or anything like that? No, I would have been in bed when she got home, right? So and she wouldn't have known to ask the questions to, to make that inquiry of what he was doing. So how do um, you feel about that now? Oh, I feel, I feel quite angry that because I feel like it's an abuse of trust and, you know, he was in a position of power as my, you know, a father figure, you know, they were together for seven years. So, um, yeah, I think it's not, it's not okay. Complete abuse of power. Absolutely. It's so scary to think about that and wonder what that set up for you and your little neural pathways at at that age. It's, It's really awful. Definitely. And I think, you know, having a friend who was three years older than me, she taught me how to smoke when I was 12. She said, you know, if you're going to smoke the cigarettes, you're going to smoke them properly. And she taught me how to inhale. And uh, so all my life had been anti-smoking and then, you know, and hiding my mum's boyfriend's cigarettes and trying to get him to quit to stealing his cigarettes and, you know, siphoning off a couple from the back of his packets and although that said Mm -hmm. I used to you know back when I was a kid um, it was acceptable to go to the milk bar or the shops and buy a packet of cigarettes for your parents there wasn't any restrictions on that so yes I remember doing the same or taking a note (laughs) down to the milk bar (laughs) yeah so Uh, bizarre right oh so bizarre the 80s yeah the 80s absolutely so tell me a little bit more about then the progression so as you got older and say got into your 20s how was the relationship with alcohol looking at that point well I remember another embarrassing story when I was 20 my father was 40 and we stayed up we watched the sunrise together we were outside arms around each other drinking beers smoking cigarettes and he was telling me how proud he was of me. And it was a really beautiful moment. And we really bonded, which was then followed by me falling asleep on the toilet and him falling asleep in my sister's bed and spewing in the bed. So that was a magical moment. And then his cousin found me asleep on the toilet. So that was just so embarrassing. And I was so mortified. And, it, and even to this day, it just makes me cringe. Apparently, I was in crash style position, you know, with my head over my legs, but still, it's still not something I'm particularly proud of. And then I don't know, like it just, alcohol was just always a massive part of my life. You know, you celebrate, you commiserate, it's just always there. Um, and then you know, I moved to London when I was in my 20s and, you know, that's a real boozy culture and I would finish work every night and go to the pub and drink and smoke and very unhealthy lifestyle. And then, you know, came back to a, to little old Adelaide and was quite depressed when I came back to Adelaide because you know all my friends were getting married and having children and I was still single and you know I was like late 20s 
uh, and I was drinking quite heavily because I was so miserable and I would drink till I would fall asleep at night and there was a time there where my friend said to me you know we're we're a bit worried about you with you know the amount you're consuming and I guess some of my you know risky behaviors and promiscuity um they were a bit concerned so I remember I signed up for this sort of controlled drinking course and it was to sort of mm-hmm. understand about your drinking and to track it and you know becoming more mindful so I did that and it sort of you know would, would be okay for a while and I until the next you know something happened that I don't know and then I decided um I was going to move to Sydney and I moved to Sydney in 2007 which is where I met my husband and he worked in a pub when we first met so again more drinking more more fun more partying I guess and then when we got married I guess I was about 35 and I kind of thought you know really it's probably time I started thinking about abusing my body less and sort of got into fitness and you know started exercising and being more mindful gave up smoking properly uh, for real because I'd sort of would only smoke when I drank but still it's still smoking and it's still disgusting I can't believe that I, I ever did that to be honest I feel sorry for Me my too. poor poor body <laughs> I'm I'm seriously the worst reformed smoker now I'm me just, too I'm the just, worst I'm just like you know in the street I'm fanning my face and I'm me just too. <laughs> disgust and contempt Ash gets so embarrassed at the airport he's like please don't carry on I'm like oh and I say to the kids hold your breath and I carry on and I was the worst smoker mm. oh my god yeah <laughs> so you get it right yep um and I don't I, you know I don't want to be that person but I can't help it and I'm, I'm I'm thankfully not like that with alcohol I'm not anti-alcohol but what I do know is I don't like who I am when I drink and I think I'm a better person for not drinking alcohol. So, yeah, absolutely. So when you were drinking, uh, how was that looking? Was it blacking out or? Uh, not always blacking out, but sometimes, you know, there would be snippets of the evening I couldn't remember, or I might not remember how I got home. And, um, my husband and I separated um, in 2016 and I suppose, you know, I was going out and probably drowning my sorrows a little bit more than I should be and um, you know, I was out all the time because I didn't want to sit with my feelings. I didn't want to have to be at home being sad, you know, so I'd just go out and get drunk and get sad. But <laughs> I've since learned that um, not actually, I used to get drunk and listen to sad music, but I've found that I do that even when I'm sober. So perhaps I'm just, (laughs) that's just me. (laughs) That's your go-to. That's right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. And so how were you feeling about it? Were you waking up feeling concerned or you said earlier that friends were concerned before? Like how was it looking like that? Well, that's the thing. I think because alcohol is so celebrated and accepted in our culture, people are like, oh, you're fine. You are fine. You know, I've had, if I had a dollar for everybody who said, you know, you are fine, you know, I don't ever remember you being that messy drunk person. Um, but I wouldn't like it when I'd wake up and I wouldn't remember how I got home and 
you just think, oh, that's not very safe, right? That's not very, you know, being a single woman by yourself and you don't remember how you got home. It's it's putting yourself in high risk situations that you just don't need to, right? Yeah. And how did some like how did some of those play out for you? I guess for a long time. So in 2019, uh, every year for the last, I think, 15 years, I've done Dry July. And in 2019, my best, one of my best friends said she was going to go 100 days without alcohol. And I thought, oh, that's a good idea. I might try that. So I read this book called uh, Sober Curious by Ruby Warrington. Mm-hmm. And I read that and I thought that was fantastic. I really enjoyed that. And I ended up giving up alcohol for four and a half months. And I thought, oh, this is great. I feel so good and, you know, so clear. And then you know, I start, it was, I think it was Melbourne Cup and I was leaving work and people were having drinks and I had a couple of kombuchas and then I decided, oh, just have a wine. And I had a couple of wines and I thought, oh, that's good, you know, and I came home and I didn't carry on drinking. I thought that was, that was really, really good. So I felt proud of myself. And then I felt pleased because I'd created healthier habits and I wouldn't just drink on a Friday or Saturday night because it was Friday or Saturday, you know. Um, but then before you know it, it crept back in and, you know, you're having wine Wednesdays with your neighbors and, you know, you're getting drunk and, and then it was just like, oh my God, it's just, it's, it's done it. It's crept in again. And then I decided I was going to give up for a year and that was going to be in the beginning of 2021, I think. Yes. And then something happened. I think I did like three months and then I just, something happened. I'd been, I'd been to a couple of weddings and done them sober and I felt really proud of myself. And I was like, yep, I can do this. I've got this. And again, something, an occasion crept in and, you know, I had some drinks and then I think it must've been the second, it was just before the second wave of the COVID lockdown, about a month before that. And something happened, an event that really shook me and I felt really ashamed of. And I thought when dry July comes around, I'm going to give up. Um, That's it. I'm done with alcohol. And I thought to myself, I'm going to tell people I'm just giving up for 12 months because it'll make it easier to digest for everybody. But really in my heart, I know that this is it for me. Um, this unhealthy toxic relationship I've had with alcohol we are done (laughs) so um yeah so that was it my last drink was the uh that I sort of wrote myself off on the 30th of June um and I haven't had a drink since wow so you actually followed through you woke up with the hangover and something had transpired the night before that made you that didn't align with your values and then you just stopped wasn't that night before but it was it was about a month before that and I decided that that in July was going to be my my you know d-day no more after that and I didn't drink after that and it is now if I look at my little I am sober up 533 days yay well done that's so amazing congratulations there's something really powerful in that and this is one thing I work on with people so some will book in a coaching call and then say you know they might have had a shocking weekend or something went down on the weekend and you know they've booked in 
and they say, right, I'm done, I'm done. And I'll say, so when do you want to start? And they're like, no, no, I'm done now. And I, I always sort of say to them, just think about that because I think it's really important to prepare yourself. Yes. So even though, so when I quit, as well, I had this big event happen in Bali with the kids and everyone's heard me talk about it a million times, but I didn't stop the next day. I was mindful. I was quite mindful of my drinking and, and tried to just sort of stay aware, but I didn't actually quit for a few months after that. I had, I wanted to, well, I thought I was, you know, only doing a year at that stage, but I wanted to make sure that I was really prepared for that year because I knew so many times I'd wake up and gone, that's it. I'm not drinking again in the last couple of weeks. It was and done. haven't we all said that before? <laughs> yeah. And I really think this is a good thing for people listening, especially because, you know, we're into the new year now and there'll be a lot of people with new year's resolutions. It's really, really good to get prepared and that have a have a really good solid plan in place so that plan also for me would look like having the foresight to see any obstacles that are going to show up so it's really good to think about when are my trigger times and get it down on paper get prepared how am I going to deal with those situations because if we're not prepared and don't have a proper plan around it that situation comes up and you're like fuck and then you just go to the old way of being exactly yeah so it's so important to have that time of preparation and know, okay, how am I going to deal with that? How am I going to deal with this? What am I going to do when this pops up and be super prepared. So that's a really awesome tip. I think for people listening, you know, you don't just because you've fucked up on the weekend doesn't mean you have to quit on Monday, like (laughs) give yourself the space and grace to get yourself organized and get all your ducks in a row before you, before you D-Day, especially if you're going to do a year off or something like that. That's right. And I think, I think when I look back to the first COVID lockdown, I drank a lot during that time and I was really um, confused and scared because I didn't know what was going on. And then when the second lockdown came along, um, I'd given up drinking, right? When I drank beforehand, I drank leading up to it. Everyone, you know, we, we thought we we're going into lockdown. What was the first thing I wanted to do? Go to Dan Murphy's. Um, stock up, yeah. Stock up. And, um, but then when I look back on my time and it was four, t- four times as long, the four and a half months was a really beautiful time for me because I had a time to, for self-reflection, you know, I started meditating, I was doing yoga, I was, you know, dating myself, having time for myself. Love that, dating yourself. You yes. know, I made a beautiful meal one night, I put on a candle. Yes. I put on some music, I sat down, I put my kombucha in a wine glass and yes. I was like, you yes. know, this is just, and I just sat there and thought, and, and it, it really, I mean, it, I guess there was times it was difficult, but nowhere near compared to how I was. And maybe it was partially because it was the second time we'd done this. I knew what to expect, but also it was acceptance. And also I was seeing it as a really beautiful time for me. Um, I love that. The acceptance and seeing it as a beautiful time for you. I mean, what a beautiful way to see it. Yeah, it really was. And I, I feel kind of grateful, even though it feels like a bit of a blur and a distant memory now I think yeah I think it was a good time for me because and I didn't I guess I had time to adjust to not drinking without having social situations and I don't find it challenging to be around alcohol I don't identify with being an alcoholic but I I actually love socializing and being out so I love it when you can go out and have a drink and you can have a, a 
a non-alcoholic beverage that's for adults and not soft drink and um, be in that vibe and be in that energy and around people. Of course, I don't stay as long as I used to. My preferred bedtime is nine o'clock now, um, <laughs> maybe 10 if I'm going crazy on the weekends. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. I, st- I still like to sleep in as well on the weekends, um, but just not, um, I don't waste my days like I used to. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I love, so I just want to rewind on that. You came to a place of acceptance. So that's just letting go, stop fighting it, accept it and just go, right, something's going to change and seeing it as a beautiful time with yourself. Mm. Write that down, everyone. I think write that down (laughs) because it's such beautiful words and such beautiful wisdom in that. Really it is. And I love this more too than beating yourself up. You know, you said you had that event that happened which shook you. And some people will say, that's it because I fucked up. I can't drink, I can't drink, I can't drink. And that's just fear. Mm. But switching it around and going, okay, acceptance. Okay, this isn't working for me. I'm not aligning with my values. It's the alcohol. And then just seeing it as a beautiful thing to do for yourself, that changes everything. It, it really does. And uh, as Asha said, you decide on the suffering. And yeah, and I don't, I don't see it as I'm missing out on anything anymore. I I see it as as the greatest gift. I know, I know it's a cliche. I know it's been said before, but it re- it truly is such a gift absolutely sure is the greatest gift and I've also found like realized that nobody else cares if you drink or not and people are just doing their own thing they're not interested you know as long as they can have a drink they're okay so you know I haven't found that I'm not invited to things or maybe I am and I don't know but I'm, I haven't felt <laughs> that I've been left out in the cold or not invited to things because I think because I still am social and I'm happy to go to pubs if you know I still get invited so it's quite a win really. Yeah that's awesome and so Lisa did you have times early on in the piece where it was difficult or you had big cravings and how did you handle that if that came up for you? Look, um, I'll be honest with you, there was times where you'd get upset and you'd feel like you'd want a a drink because that's your go-to. And I've found that if I felt like that, I would just have an alcohol-free beer and put on the music and just not reward myself, but have that calm down with the beer and with the music and sort of go through the process, go through the thoughts and and not have the regret of having, you know, the alcohol and feeling more depressed after I'd, you know, had the alcohol and felt miserable that I'd fallen off the wagon. So I recently went on a holiday to Thailand and Laos and I must say that I didn't expect to be triggered and there was um, one one or two days that I felt really like oh, I'd love a beer and I could see the condensation on everybody's bottles and everyone's drinking and of course in Southeast Asia there is not a lot of alcohol-free options available so I contacted you and I mm-hmm. listened to the podcast which was just amazing that I found it was with Tara and she was talking about being on holidays how is this this is just this is just what I need and I listened to mm. that and I listened to, you know, your lovely voice message that you left me. 
And it was about changing my mindset, you know, changing, just accepting that I'm not going to be able to get alcohol-free options, but I can choose to be annoyed and pissed off about that. Or I can just say, okay, well, as you said, just have water, right? So I went to this bar and we were celebrating someone from the tour's birthday and I went to the bar. I said, could I please have a coconut shake? Oh, we don't have that. And I was like, disappointing. Could I please have water? So I got myself a 1.5 litre of water and I drank that and I belted out um, the best by Tina Turner on karaoke. Yes. And I felt amazing. And the (laughs) next day I woke up and I felt fabulous and I didn't, after that, I did not think about it again. It wasn't an issue because I changed my lens. I was like, you know what? I'm I, I'm not going to probably get something delicious, but what is good? What is yeah. fine? Yeah, that's right. Oh, yes. I'm just, I love that, everything about that. And that's just going to be brilliant for people listening to that who are feeling triggered, who are away on holidays or who are having a big craving. Like yes. it's okay to have the craving. You can acknowledge that you're having it but you just don't have to react to it. And the craving passes so quickly. And anybody who's been a smoker or a drinker Mm -hmm. will know that it really is no more than a couple of minutes, right? Really? Yeah. Yeah, Sometimes they can go a bit longer, but it's just like a, uh, it's like a wave, you know, it it peaks, it picks up, it picks up in energy, it peaks and then it drops off again. So you just remember that. See, if you're having the big craving, you just got to ride the wave and then let it drop off and it will, But the great thing is about a craving, every time you experience it, you're building your muscle. You know, every time you don't react to it, but you respond. So you responded. You didn't react by going to drink. You responded. You you were conscious. You made a conscious choice. You, You know, you got the big bottle of water. You drank it. You responded in a different way. And that's so awesome. You know, it's amazing. I also love what you said here about when you when you'd have times where you felt emotions pop up and you said, you know, going through the process and just go through the thoughts. So you'd go through the process of feeling that being with those thoughts that were coming up because and asking yeah. what it was, what was the underlying thing? You know, what is yeah. really upsetting me here? Yes. Is it the fact that I've gone to the road transport people and they won't, they, they want me to have my marriage certificate because, you know, and they, they have to go away. That that really, you know, pissed me off. And I was so furious because I'd gone out and and in and braved the COVID conditions and and I was just furious because she's like, no, no. And I said, but you talk, gave me a list of the things that you wanted and that wasn't on there. And I said, well, your name compared to your birth certificate is different. So we need a marriage certificate. So what was it that, about that situation that made me so angry? Well, it wasn't the fact that I had to go back to the road transport. It was the fact that I was upset that I'm not still married, but I have to prove yeah. that um, that with a with a piece of paper. And that's what was upsetting me, not the actual event itself. And it's really interesting, isn't it, when we actually break go through the layers of there's this initial thing that we think is the problem or even the initial thing that we that we think that we're craving. Oh, I'm stressed because I'm driving home from work, but, you know, I had a rough day at work. But if we were to peel those layers back a bit and get to the meaning of what's actually upsetting you, yes. and it's it looks pretty different. And that's when healing happens because we mm. start to be able to be present and be with the actual core root of the problem. 
it's it's amazing you are bloody amazing honestly and it was interesting to our whole coaching relationship that we've had wasn't often we didn't really talk about alcohol that much too it was more about the underlying and so you were really prepared to go really deep you went you really went there and I think it was really amazing to just thank you for taking me there (laughs) and um you know you have just been incredible and and I would recommend anybody to have sessions with you because you're just a truly inspirational woman um I'm so glad that I met you and the universe mm. has brought us together. Thank you. I didn't even pay you for that. So no, she didn't. <laughs> Thank you. But also too, you took your sobriety seriously. So when we'd started, you were also working with Ben, uh, the, the therapist who's been on the show a lot, but you were always on the front foot, you know, and you took it really seriously and you did the stuff. And I think that's important. Again, it's probably a bit of a cliche, but you need to do the work, right? Because there's a reason why I've been trying to escape my feelings all these years. And, you know, I think it comes back to all of that inner child and that scared, hurt little girl who, Mm. you know, who who needed support and needed guidance. And Mm -hmm. um, so now I can be that person for her. Yes. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? It, is, I love it the, is. Yeah. I love that. I love the whole self-parenting thing as well. It's just trans, it's transformational. It's, it's just absolutely amazing. And so you also, so not apart from just working with me, you've also been, you've done some of the stuff with Untoxicated. You've been out to some of their groups and you also reach out to other groups. Yeah. I'm on a um, Facebook page called Sober Curious and one of the people on the page wrote that they were going to do the sober curious reset and did anybody want to do the 100 days with them and I wrote on their page that you know I read the book in 2019 had a four and a half month spell and then I you know did the sober curious reset and haven't had a drink since you know I hope you love it as much as I do and this lady reached out to me uh, on a personal message and asked if I'd be her mentor and um we've developed a beautiful friendship um we had a call together and I sent her my favorite memes and inspirational quotes and and we check in that the time difference is a little bit challenging but um yeah we've because she's in she's in America that's right she's in the states Mm -hmm. so um she'll be listening to this at one stage and (laughs) and uh hopefully feeling very proud yeah I mean she's amazing and like you were saying earlier you know She's also been, in, you know, she's also sent you some messages of support as well, just even around being on this podcast. And I love that Michelle McDonald, who's one of the the grads in um, in my grads group, she did this amazing post the other day and she said, and it reminded me of that when she said in this post, you still have so many years to meet so many people you never knew you could love so much. Yeah. And I was like, wow. And then you just sharing about um, Carly from America before I thought, wow, that, that reminds me of that. And it was so true when, when Shell posted that, I was like, that is so spot on because I remember at the start of sobriety to feeling a bit isolated and like, where are my people? Oh my God. And now I'm just, my life is so full of the like angels everywhere and the most beautiful people who I really love and admire and 
Oh, you never know who's around the corner. Absolutely. And I also made a friend through uh, alcohol-free wine tasting with Amy, Dry, Dry But Wet oh, in love, Newtown. Amy. And I made a friend uh, there and we've kept in touch and we went to Bodfest together. You met her there. Oh, and she's great. Yes. Yeah, she's awesome. She's actually in Bali at the moment. Um, she's staying there for a couple of months and working from there so she's really living the dream at the moment lucky girl that's awesome yeah she was great yeah so you never know the connections for people that are early on and they're feeling a bit isolated and they're feeling like they've lost their tribe just have that faith and you know perhaps even put yourself out there a bit like you are like I said you're quite active in your own recovery process and making sure that you stay social and it's great it's absolutely incredible and I think there is you know, definitely the more people understand about alcohol, the more, you know, there's more and more alcohol-free options out there. It's becoming more socially acceptable. Like I don't feel, I know myself when I was a drinker, I thought people who didn't drink were weird and not to be trusted. (laughs) I thought it was very (laughs) odd. Mm -hmm, Me too. And uh, now I think that was a little bit judgmental and a bit. you are not naive, but uh, uneducated, I guess. (laughs) But um, especially now that I feel like I'm living my best life sober, um, I just, I love that I don't have to worry anymore. I love that I don't have to think about events and think, okay, if I'm going to drink tonight, will I have one drink? Should I drink beer? Should I, you know, have a spacer in between? I don't have to think, oh, I can't catch up with my friend on Saturday for lunch because I'm going to, or in the morning for breakfast because I'm going to be hungover. And I, you know, I went to my Christmas party on Friday night and the best thing was waking up on Saturday morning and feeling amazing and feeling no shame and no guilt and no cringy feelings like, oh my God, what did I say? Or did I really say that to blah, blah, blah? And you know, and going to work on Monday and being able to look people in the eye and not having that shame, right? Was it's the best. So good. <laughs> I don't want to be smug about it, but it was so fucking good. No, be smug. Be, uh, that's what kept me going. I can talk about this a lot, but that was the driver for me, more so than any shame and guilt or any of that crap was more just like this feeling. Mm. This is the feeling I want to wake up every day. I'm so fucking done with that other stuff. And it's so liberating. I had been on this merry-go-round for such a long time and and I think, you know, I guess it, sometimes it takes you more than one attempt and that's okay. And I think every time you try, you get stronger. And as you say, it's like a muscle, you know, you're gaining strength. And I think, you know, I just got to the point where I was like, fuck this, I, I can't keep doing this and expecting you know in the great words of Albert Einstein doing the same thing and expecting a different outcome is the definition of insanity and it Mm -hmm. really is you know I was nothing was going to change unless I made the change so yeah incredible and you certainly have made the change it's amazing absolutely amazing like I said it's you don't know the people that around the corner and how's it also been for you with people that you know that know you as the drinker how have they taken it especially after you've hit the 12 month mark are they like waiting for you with bottles of champagne ready to go so to be honest no they haven't really because I think they know that um I'm I'm done now with alcohol but interestingly it's more friendships that I've made 
recently and colleagues and who I feel like it's a shame in shame in some ways that I won't get to go out and have a wine but in but in some ways it's it's a blessing because I think perhaps we'd be a bad influence on one another if if we you know were going out drinking recently um, one of my colleagues said oh maybe you could just come and have a drink you know it would be okay now and you know I thought to myself well maybe I could and then you know I started entertaining that idea in my head and then I thought Lisa what are you doing you know how this story ends you know you know that it doesn't bode well for you so why would you even entertain that thought and uh, I remember being at a dinner party and saying oh could I just have a sip of champagne and my colleague said to me oh you know are you sure this isn't the start of a slippery slope and those words really resonated with me because it is the start to a slippery slope because you start Mm. making agreements you know with yourself and you start bargaining and you're like oh it's okay well I'll just have a glass of champagne here and I'll just and before you know it one glass leads to two glasses and then it's you know a bottle and then it's you know blacking out and not remembering how you got home so you know and I and I'm quite grateful that he did say that to me and I said I remember saying oh I'm not an alcoholic you know but it really did start me thinking and I think yeah you're doing deals with the devil if you really think that you can um have just one or two because it it never is just that never is and often people that come to me that have had a lot of time off drinking and then that started with that just one sip at a wedding or I'm just going to have one glass and it pretty much ends it's usually it's it's always the same like it just ends up back there where it is also that the work colleague that you said that you met recently who was sort of encouraging you know can you just have one what was your response I'm interested in that what did you say to her as to why I just let her know that I just don't like who I am when I drink and that I do, I I have behaviours that don't align with my values and I don't like that person and I don't want to be that person. That's amazing. It's so honest. Like what a beautiful response. And she totally got it and, you know, of course wouldn't want to encourage me to, to, you know, not align with my values and, so but yeah of course she accepts that but um yeah it's it's interesting it's that's just incredible and I think that's so powerful too for people listening you know you don't have to make up some bullshit story if you can really lean in and just be honest and just say actually no because it I don't like how it makes me feel or act or behave most people get it because probably that person has gone through exactly exactly the same thing as well Absolutely. And I think, yeah. um, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't want to be that person. And I don't know where that person comes from, who is Lisa the drinker. She's not a nice person. She's not the kind, loving, caring person that I feel that I am when I'm sober. Wow. What an insight. And mm. she's, yeah she's she's opposite of all of those things and you know yeah she might be fun and and loud and but I think yeah she's she's obnoxious and she's not caring and she doesn't care about 
anything or anyone and particularly herself I think is the biggest thing yeah that is amazing yeah amazing and super sad on the um messages from the bottle show that we did in Byron I talked about how sober Danny hated drunk Danny and vice versa and drunk Danny hated sober Danny because they were so fucking different yes they were like completely different people and that's where you feel that incongruency in your body it's like hang on who the hell am I like what is this yeah exactly and I don't recognize I don't really recognize that person and so therefore I don't want to be that person if I don't recognize her yep and the choice is yours absolutely 100%. 100%. So it really is the greatest gift that you can give yourself if you're not enjoying yourself anymore in that state. And I think it's such a beautiful thing. And to just embrace the process as that beautiful thing is probably one of the most beautiful messages from this episode today. Could, I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, if you just see it as, as, as a gift to yourself and that you're not giving up anything but you're gaining, and I think... You know, um, I feel like I'm the healthiest I've ever been, the fittest I've been. And um, I feel like I just, I don't have the lows like I used to. Um, I do feel like I, like I've always been a fairly emotional person, but I feel like I'm even more highly emotional and I just get like, oh, maybe it's because I'm really feeling the feels, you know? Um, Yeah. Yeah. I just... Yeah, I just, I get moved by lots of things, happy, sad, you know, (laughs) just, just, oh, the tears, they just keep coming. (laughs) Yeah, that's such, such a beautiful part of it, isn't it? Just to, it's like everything gets dialed up quite a lot, but it's everything. It's like the gratitude, the the sadness, the the joy, it does get dialed up a little bit and that takes a bit of adjusting too as well. I know, I saw, I saw a quote and it was like, it really sucks that I have to feel now these emotions. That now that I'm sober and it it doesn't it it can be um challenging for sure, but better to deal with those than try and mask them with or dull those feelings or put them brush them under the under the carpet, so to speak, you know because well, they're going to come back to haunt you eventually, yeah, and they are they really are the little messengers they're just trying to show you something, alert you to something and they're there to be felt the emotions are there to be felt. I know I go about on about this all the time, but that's what they're there for. So we don't want to push them away. We want to sit and welcome them in and say, okay, what are you trying to show me? What do I need to learn right now in this moment? Well, that's just bloody amazing. So what are you feeling in your body right now? Gratitude and absolute joy, really. And I guess um, a bit of relief because I've been feeling a little bit excited and anxious and nervous about doing the podcast and I guess about having my story out there in in the in the world but also yeah just just super grateful that's awesome amazing if you could go back and and speak to your younger self what advice would you give her I would tell her to hang in there and that things work out better than you could possibly imagine you know, Ash and I were talking about this exact thing yesterday morning on a beach walk, just saying how, because I've been reminding my younger self sometimes, you've got 
like you should see what we've done. We should see what we've done with our lives, especially from little old me. Think about that little girl and and now the the woman I am today. It's just like incredible. And I, I just want to and I keep going back and reminding little me, especially when she shows up in with upset and you know, with different emotional things. Look, you know, it's everything works out fine. You know, we're fine. I've got this. Yeah. You know, it's such a yeah, it's a beautiful message. And I think if, you know, not that younger me would probably listen because she's not so good at taking advice, I guess, but um, that if she could find other ways to self-soothe that don't involve um, masking or dulling the feelings would be, would be really key. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that was just wonderful. Thank you so much, Lisa, for sharing your story so generously. It's been absolutely awesome and this has been amazing just watching your growth in this last year and um, I hope it just continues to grow and grow, which I'm sure it will. Love your work. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.